Hello, friends, and welcome to Bantering the Blue Shirts Off the Post. Uh, Joe not here, busy with babies, carrying babies everywhere he goes. Uh, he, I think he has one baby on the, his chest, another baby on his back, baby backpack, baby front pack. I'm sure someone has made that. I've seen a lot of those, like, dual strollers, like that, uh, you got, like, two baby strollers fused together. If they charge you twice the price for that, by the way, young parents, you're getting had. I would just just buy a wheelbarrow, push the babies around in that. Find me something sturdier than a wheelbarrow, and I'll tell you that thing didn't help build this great country of ours. I'm joined by Shana Goldman. Hi, Shana. Hi. I said hi, Shana. You're still muted. You have to say hi. I did say hi. Yeah, I guess I just unmuted too slow. So the people didn't hear you. Uh, Hi. Sheena had a coughing fit between the shows, but she's back now. <laughs> and uh, you know what? Let's let's jump right into questions. Uh, let's go. Here we go. From Mateus Petrzynski. Mateus, I'm sorry. First of all, uh, your name deserved better than that, and I wasn't ready to give it to you. Hey, Michael and Joseph. Also, Sheena. Uh, <laughs> Joe being absent from podcast. Babies are not an excuse. Who wins the first battle of Kako and Hughes? Ooh. Devils have to win their first game eventually. Oh, I just, just I just don't think that's gonna happen. Well, how many times? How many times do they play between now and Thursday? Who the Devils? Yeah. What am I at? Copernicus? How do I know that? I don't know. I don't know their schedule off the top of my head, though. I'm gonna check. I, I'm gonna say Kako wins. I'm uh, gonna concur. Because he just scored, and I and I want him to be as happy as he was after he scored. Um. Yeah. The Devils know. don't play again till huh. Thursday after eating shit today. So, um, <laughs> I think they did. You're up 4-1 and you fucking blow it. I mean, come on. They lost 6-4. That is so Shana bad. coming in hot on off the post. That's what I like. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm not trying to be rude, but, like, jeez. Um, I'm going to say Kako. Not only some phlegm, but also some pity you had, apparently. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't. I don't know. I don't get them. I think right. I think Kako wins it. I think Kako has the better first season, and then Hughes, I think, could be the better is a better player long term. But I think Kako has a better first season anyway. That's kind of where I stand. I think you know goals it'll be Kako, points it'll be Hughes, but a lot of it's going to depend on the pieces around Hughes. Um, I think he's going to become a player where it almost doesn't matter who he plays with, kind of like to you know John Tavares and, and the Islanders, but. You know, if it's an aging, you know, Kyle Palmieri, then, you know, I think he'll still be able to, like, make Kyle Palmieri very good for a long time. If it's Taylor Hall, it'll be a different story. It'll be much better. But, yeah, I think Kako will win. I'm looking forward to that one. And I know there's going to be a lot of hype and excitement built around that game. Uh, I think, personally, I just want Kako to finally throw, like, a meaningful hit and just knock Hughes down for no reason at all. Um I just think that would be delightful. Uh, Clem Fandango. I know it's small sample size and all, and all, but now that Vlad has four points in two games for the Sens, does it make even more curious that Quinn never tried Vlad at 2C over Strom? Shane, is, is it strange that we never saw Vlad at 2C? Yes. I'm, I honestly am surprised that like things didn't work out better for Nemestikov with the Rangers because I feel like he's someone that I could so see being a David Quinn kind of player. He's a hard-nosed player. He's skilled. He's good at carrying the puck up the ice. He's, you know, defensively responsible enough that 
I felt like he really would have worked better with Quinn. And he did get stints on the top line and top six last year. And I think he performed well enough for the most part while he was there. So I think the fact that he was demoted from the third to fourth line in two straight games, and I don't exactly fully understand or agree with that decision entirely there alone. Um, I would I would have put him in down the middle of the second line after the second game. Was it after the second game that they were really bad in terms of shots? Yeah, no. Uh, no, 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 they, they were better. better. They were better. After the first game, honestly, like I understand you want to just keep things and let things go, but I wouldn't have, if they said, you know what, we're going to tweak this second line and give them a more defensively responsible center off the bat there, I, I would have. But I think that they could have definitely kept him around longer to, one, ensure a better return, two, because he's useful to their team, um, even if it's just as a third liner, like I wanted to see Faust, Anderson, and Nemesnikov as like a shutdown line, and we didn't get that either. Yeah, I think it's curious is is I think a good word uh, because it you know is a little perplexing that we didn't see that really happen in terms of giving him a fair shake, and you know especially you know we talked about it on the flagship about how he's just a better all around balanced player uh than strom is uh you know we all we've talked many many times about ryan strom and his shooting percentage and how he endeared himself by you know becoming you know such a productive player just in terms of counting stats after being traded here but you know domesticov was just in my opinion a more balanced and better player so it's kind of a shame that you know not only that the rangers sold so low on him but that he never really had an opportunity to frankly build up his own trade value by being in that 2C role because, you know, I can easily envision a scenario where the Rangers have him at 2C uh, for a couple months and maybe, you know, a month or two before the deadline, someone comes knocking, hoping to make a trade for center depth before the deadline and you get a much better deal that way if he's playing with Chris Kreider and either, you know, Capocacco or, or Buchnevich. But that's just me. You and I aren't, uh, we're not GM, Shana. We just... No, co- we just talk shit about them. A site about uh, coaches and also a little bit about GMs. We have some GM content there, too. That we do. Uh, from Snap Cummins. Uh, it seems like a made-up sports broadcaster name. Uh, one, can Shayna replace Joe full-time? Kidding? Kinda. I mean, take that, Joe. You son of a bitch. Two, I have been pleasantly surprised at the play of Mark Stahl. Do you think we ever see a stahl Trouba pairing? Quinn seems to love the D'Angelo Stahl pairing. Shana, do you think we'll see Stahl Truba? <laughs> I think we will see Stahl Truba, and I think the internet is going to fucking explode if we see Stahl Truba. Yeah, I, Stahl I has, Yeah, Stahl has been... has his moments of not being as awful as we all anticipate, and... I think you don't fix what's broken if Mark Stahl is just fine and you can leave him there and you don't have to worry about him that much. I think you're good. I think it's all about managing his usage. And if you put him with Truba, I can guarantee you it's in a shutdown first pair role and that is not the place for him anymore. I don't care how well he's playing. Don't put him in that situation that you're setting him up to fail because he can't. I don't think he has it in him anymore. And, um... If Mark Stahl all of a sudden, like, revitalized this game, I would be the happiest person, you know? Like, I really would. When it was, like, years ago and we were talking about, like, Holden versus Stahl, I, I was still picking Stahl. So, 
um, I, I think I think that really just puts him in the wrong position. But I, I won't be surprised at all if we see it. But then again, I think this coaching staff understands that there are a lot of young defenders. And if you do that, you're putting those young defenders together. So you'll either then have Hayek Fox with Shea D'Angelo. And Shea D'Angelo, I think, would be fine. But Hayek Fox, I wouldn't put together back together just yet. Um, I like the idea and the willingness to put an all-rookie pair together, but I think they both need work before you can just put it together and let it happen. And if not, then you have Shea Fox and Hayek D'Angelo, which it could be interesting, but given D'Angelo's defensive weaknesses, I'm not sure Hayek's ready for that either. I think if you're doing that, then maybe it's because Hayek isn't playing, you know? If Brendan Smith somehow comes back into the lineup and you have Smith with Fox or Smith with D'Angelo and Shea with the other, I think that's the only way the coaches comfortably go stall Truba because I don't think they let the young defenders just mix and match together for the time being. Yeah. You you pretty much said everything that I could say about that, but I, I get where you're coming from. I do think, one... Uh, Rangers Twitter would probably explode and two you know I it fascinates me because the Rangers have such a kind of you know we talked about this a lot on the flagship but they don't have they don't have a lot of options with what to do with the D pairs they could put together just because they committed to what they have they made the decision with Shattenkirk um, you know if they if they did something different like let's say if a scenario where they bought out stall instead you'd be playing a guy who's used to the right side and the left side and you know maybe that would have been better but we don't really know um but this is just kind of where we are so i do think just given what we saw from david quinn last season i think we'll see almost every defensive pair imaginable at some point it's not like these pairs get locked you know they're written in concrete nothing's going to change um they're written in wet concrete that never dries uh or i don't know etch a sketch What's in an etch sketch, Shana? Do you know? Is it magnets? I think it's done by magnets. I think it's magnets. A bunch of magnets are fucking magic. Remember Chris Kreider? He loves magnets. Um, Isn't that Buchnevich? Was it Buch? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? They both speak Russian, so what do you want from me? Uh, <laughs> Phil, not our Phil. Uh, just imagine the Rangers didn't get their number two pick in the draft. Where are they now in this current scenario? I'll answer this one quickly for you, Shana. Okay. Um... They're in a similar place with people a great deal more concerned because there's no Capo Caco. Yeah. I mean... You're still going to have a very good prospect, just maybe not one who's as NHL ready. Yeah. And I think even without that pick, they go for Truba. But without that pick, I'm not sure they go for Panarin. That's Mm -hmm. where I... Because I think Panarin was the one that the Rangers could have stopped Truba and been fine. It would have been the right move for the rebuilding team. In so many ways, the offseason still would have been a win right there. Kako, mm. Truba, done. Um, you have the elite player available in free agency. It doesn't always happen. Obviously, you go for it. Um, but I don't know if they would still do it. Obviously, then they'd need more help with uh, without Kako. So... They might be more inclined to go for Panera then, but they're not as good of a team. So it wouldn't make sense to do that now. It would make mm-hmm. sense to do it in a couple of years. And maybe that opportunity doesn't arise in a couple of years because players like Panera don't often make it to free agency, but you can't just uh, can't just dive in for him. That's true. Yeah, I, I know there's still some people who are a little like, 
wow, they really went for it with Panarin, but you don't get the opportunity at Panarin very often. So I understand why they did it. Who was the last elite player to make it free agency that you can think of even? Tavares, but before that. Really, I was going to say there's Tavares, but then there's a long, long gap before that. Yeah. I mean, you think about guys and how players are really acquired. Like, I know a free agent signing that, like, shaped a franchise with the Zidane Char free agent signing, right? I think that was the signing. I'd like be a big ones like Ryan Suter in Minnesota. That that was a huge one, and that yeah, you have crazy, fantastic yeah. defensemen there. Yeah, pretty good too. Up, they don't come around that often, though. Really. And look at the contracts they had to hand out to get both. Yeah. But uh, you knew Nashville couldn't keep Suter after the Weber thing, which the offer sheet and the whole nine yards. But besides that, you really you don't you don't hear it. Eric Carlson didn't make it there. Brent Burns is never going to make it there. Well, he never did make it there. Yeah, Up front, it, it doesn't happen, and rightfully so. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, hey, Joe and Mike, Shane and Mike, how many? This is from Panera in twenty twenty. How many more games until we see Leas in the two C or Heedle? Howden has looked lost. Do we see Leas at two C soon, Shana? Do we get that nice thing? Um, I'd like to see it, but I think first before you see him go from two C, he's gonna have to be the three C. And work his way up. So I think you're going to see how in there first. That's just my guess with Quinn's mentality. Um, but I also, I think Heedle's getting off to a really good start in Hartford. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him now that the schedule's normalizing. So if they, in theory, went with him before the back-to-backs or re- even right after the back-to-backs, if he continues to play well, it won't surprise me. And I think he could come in and jump right into the 2C role because they essentially said to him, it's 2C or bust, and it was bust. So... Here's your chance. Um, anyone else? I think, I think uh, Leas is going to really have to scratch and claw his way up. What do you think? I just, well, I was just checking that I was right that Char was a free agent signing. Um, but also, I would agree. It's going to take, it's going to take some doing. I hope that we see Leas there sooner rather than later. Uh, I want, I would love to have Heedle called up. It's just a matter of doing it in the right way uh, and giving him the, the right opportunity. I'm all for Lise, I'm all for Filipito as, you know, a third third line winger if if for whatever reason there's not a comfort level with him being a third line center, but I, I'm of the opinion make him 3C uh, and move Lemieux down and you know, just, you know, does that mean Ryan Strom is a fourth line center? Well, no, you can play Strom as a third line winger. Um have Leah Sanderson as your 2C, but in that way you serve developing those kids by giving them NHL ice time. That's just kind of, I don't know. Again, I'm not a coach, but I would like to see that happen, uh, just because I feel like if the Rangers are losing and that is happening, at least it's serving development, and you know, if you feel that it might be doing a disservice to those players in terms of development, then you can shake things up again. So, I just don't understand the idea of, uh, you know, Leah Sanderson skating less than nine minutes a night serving his development, uh, especially if his, the line share of it seems to be shorthanded. Uh, from Anthony Del, Del Gigante, or Del Gigante, seems momentum is gaining on Boucher Banner's article comments for fired DQ. How concerned should we really be with what we have seen from him early this season? I'm giving him a leash, but player develop, deployment cons- concerns me. I think it's pretty premature. 
I understand why some people might be a little, you know, tugging their collar a little bit with uh, David Quinn, but I don't think this is a... I don't think we've reached that point yet. I think he's he has a ton of leash, and last season, in many ways, we have to just kind of consider a wash. I I think you it is very easy to look at those, like the anecdotal things that happen specifically with those young players, um, and kind of question it. But I also think you know for for every game where we have you know why isn't Leah Sanderson getting ice time you have to look at what he was able to do to bring the best out in Buchnevich and I think he probably doesn't get enough credit for that especially because a lot of people are quick to you know roll their eyes seeing a lot of the same patterns in terms of how stall is used and yada 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 but did I don't think I think it would have been unreasonable to expect him to come into the Rangers locker room and you know, just tell Mark Stahl he's on the third pair or even that he's, you know, he's in the press box as a healthy scratch. It's just, I don't think any, I just don't think that was going to happen. Um, I think that was never really on the plate. What do you think, Shana? I think it's way too premature for that. I think yeah. that um, they could be in a lot worse situation for you to be talking about should they make a coaching change. Um and I would point to the Devils because I feel like if any team is contemplating it right now, it could be them. Um, no. I think that there are things about Quinn that he is wrong about. Or, no. Let me rephrase that. There are things I disagree with. And Heedle last year is one of them. Anderson to start this year is one of them. Um, Buchnevich, I had my moments of agreeing and disagreeing and... I think he deserves credit for how things worked out, but I think that sometimes things could go a little bit differently along the way. But I'm not there. I'm not in the situation. Clearly it worked out. I think the thing is he does need to learn and grow still, you know, just like the players. He's dealing with a group that changed a lot, you know, and to add in all these different players. And obviously he has experience with that from Boston University, but he was still kind of like getting his grasp at the Rangers to all of a sudden change it, it, it's different. It's not the team that he's been with forever. And I think the other thing is there are so many good things that he did instill into his team. And a big thing was work ethic. They talked about it when he first started, just things about practicing, their practice habits changed. And, you know, it, it was kind of telling about the staff before it that those things weren't as efficient. And I think the resilience that they had, especially later in the season, was a very big, a big part of their identity towards the end of the year. That despite losing players, despite being down in games, they weren't out of them and they kept battling and it worked for them sometimes. Whether it was only to a shootout or, you know, whether they still lost in overtime or so be it, it was a much different group than what we saw from years past. So I think he deserves credit for that. And I think his accountability in theory is great. I think it needs work, but there's only so much I expect to get with that. Um, like Mike mentioned, Mark Stahl. So, I don't know. I think I think it's way too premature. Yeah, I feel it's... I understand why some people might get frustrated. It is... It's still pretty early. Um, this is a guy, I think, has a ton of leash. The team's invested in him. They definitely thought long and hard about who they wanted to be their next coach. And I feel like he's doing a lot of things that the front office likes. And... It is frustrating to see some of the decisions that get made, but, you know, in the same same regard, like, can you blame him for leaning on the top line <laughs> as much as he has right now, especially when I feel like he's still 
is a guy who he's probably someone who wished the preseason was a lot longer so that he can get a longer look at some of these guys and get an idea of which kids were ready and not um but yeah uh oh alex khalifa shana wants to know is this a year hartford return to the postseason i'm sorry say that again is this the year the hartford wolfpack return to the playoffs it could be they I have think it probably is they have a solid tandem. Sorry, I had she to had pause the cough. cough. And she, she muted herself to be courteous, but I just outed her. I just doxed her cough Sorry. to the world. Jeez. Um, I think that the goaltending tandem they have is going <laughs> to help them. I think the coaching staff is going to help develop the defensemen. And I think the fact that they're going to be a lot less chaotic. I think there are issues systematically going from Mignot's system that they followed to Quinn's. I think that there are issues because um, the coaches didn't create the most positive environment. It was great for development. And it seems like between Knobloch and Murphy and everything that they're putting together, that's changed. Um, And the higher-ups as well. I think that they've made Hartford such a priority that they should be in the playoff mix if they don't actually make it. But the Rangers have better players in the system mixed with the coaching staff and change of everything that it, it bodes well for them this year. I mean, they're 3-0-1, so it's a solid start. I feel like they added so much in terms of depth and some established veteran guys, the guys like Daniel Regan. Adam and, I, Adam and I spoke a lot about Hartford uh, last weekend, so like, or I should say last podcast, just the, the number of changes they made makes them such a dramatically better team and, you know, really having guys like Hedl and... You know, Kravstov down there will help a lot on top of the guys like the Vinny Letteris and Stephen Fogarty. So it's, I feel like it's in a good direction. It, it was, the big thing for me was how do you replace John Gilmore in Hartford? But I mean, the defense is scoring early. I don't expect them to seamlessly replace a guy who scored 20 goals from the blue line last season. But I think Hartford's overall depth is that much better and their goaltending is going to be that much better like Shayna said that tandem down there will be really solid and uh, I think you know Igor is going to get better as the season progresses and I really don't see why they won't make the playoffs at this point but I don't have the closest eye on on the AHL uh, for full disclosure so I'll be really interesting I'll be really interested to kind of check in on them I do kind of like once a week when I work on my Rangers radar, you know, watch, watch as much as I can and, you know, just kind of take notes and look at where they are. And I, especially in context of the rest of the AHL, and I say to myself, hey, you know, this, this should be a good year, especially in context of the last couple of years, which have been so rough. But uh, let's see. I still have a bunch more questions here, Shane. We have to do kind of a speed round. Are you ready for that? Yes. Okay. Let's go. So, Booch gets moved off the first line before Strom gets moved off 2C. What's your yes. bet? Does that happen? Yes. Yeah, I would say that's that will also happen. But uh, it's not a knock to Booch. We talked about this on the flagship show. Yeah. It's not a knock. It's just lineup balance. At some point, they're going to have to tweak something because you can't only have a top line that works. The Colorado Avalanche tried it. It did not work for them. To only have one line, you got to do something, and that might be an answer. From Richard Cologne, do you think the Rangers should look to trade Georgiev this season? You want to go with this? I think we need to make sure what the Rangers have with Shesterkin. Um I think they'll have to revisit that at a certain point, but 
because Hank still has, you know, what he has left on his contract, I think it would be, it could be very premature to trade Georgiev this season. I think you have to wait till the end of the year and then revisit it, see how it works, see especially, what LAR thinks. Yeah. Especially talk to Hank about, you know, is there any chance that he might want to hang it up after this year? Because if that's the no. case, you definitely... No, he does oh. not. He's too competitive. Well, no. Uh, okay. No. Well, no. I, I said speed round. I didn't say <laughs> rain on me. Um, Sorry. That's fine. Uh, from Kravstovsky Sauce. Hashtag positivity, true or false, unless Quinn all of a sudden learns how to accurately identify talent, Leah scores a shorty before he earns an even strength goal. Um, I think the even strength goal comes first still. I think so too, but I don't think if he scores a shorthanded goal before an even strength goal, it's necessarily a knock on Quinn or his minutes. I think the fact that he's playing with Mika Zibanejad, who he has a lot of chemistry with, and... You know, he's so close with the, off the ice, too. I wouldn't be surprised to see it. Like, you saw it with, uh, what was it, the fourth goal in Ottawa? Leah mm-hmm. Sanderson was there with Sabanajad scoring it. So, I, I don't think one necessarily has to do with the other. I think that that might be a better opportunity for him because playing with Sabanajad is a big difference from McKegan-Smith. Yeah. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know how much of this we're going to answer from Matteo Blank. Can you explain the CBA and what's supposed to happen the next couple of years? Is there anything that might specifically impact the Rangers? Uh, Mateo, I can tell you this. The looming lockout is not as much looming for the time being. That's the that's the too long, didn't read version of where things stand with the CBA. Mm-hmm. So they could have. They chose more guaranteed not to. hockey. They could have said we're going to revisit the CBA. They chose otherwise. So uh, the ball was in the, the PA's court. And uh, on deadline day, they chose to, you know, let it ride. And so we have, for the time being, uh, labor peace, which is nice, because uh, that means more hockey. Um, and in terms of specifically impacting the Rangers, uh, it would have played into, you know, some of the expiring contracts and everything. But I, you know, I think it's already, the CBA has already impacted the Rangers. You need only look at the structure of Panarin's contract, the structure of Troopa's contract. The Rangers are one of those teams, frankly, that it doesn't phase them very much because their pockets are that deep. Uh, for teams that don't have the same level of bankroll, they can't afford to do those uh, signing bonus heavy contracts where you know players take that guaranteed money. Um, it's more attractive to them because of the threat of something like a lockout. How's that and, for a, a whirlwind answer, Shana? I think you covered it. And the other thing is, like, um, they don't have the players, you know, the players that'll be in for the bigger second contracts. They'll probably expire around the time that the CBA does. So it's a a lot different than them figuring it out now and preparing for a year or two, three from now. It'll all be happening around the same time. But the bigger thing to impact the Rangers, possibly, and everyone, is if the NHL figures out their shit and does a better next TV deal, which is a very big if. It could lead to more revenues, which could lead to um, a higher salary cap, which could mean that they find a little bit more flexibility because, you know, they do have big contracts on the books. Yeah, everybody wins forward. that way, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So someone, I don't know who this is, asked uh, someone named Maggie, I think, will the Blues win their second Stanley Cup this season? And then they answered their own question, yes. I don't know if you have any. I wonder who that could be. 
I don't know who that could be. Uh, I would say... Uh, I'll say I'm, it. I'll say it. You can say it. You can say it. He's on. He's right. very biased. He's going to say the Blues are going to win again, and he's doing no, the right no. thing in doing so. And I was going to say Tampa's going to win, actually. <laughs> if Tampa doesn't win. win, that would be a that would be something. I think that they they'll make an impact. The Blues in the playoffs again this year. Um, I don't really know how it takes out. Justin Fox looked really good. Braden Shen scoring goals every game. Nashville's going to be like. I think. Nashville's like the sneaky team to watch. Not sneaky per se. I feel like people got kind of sick of them because they were like, this is Nashville's year a couple yeah, times. Yeah, we talked and about this happened. on the flagship. Like, Dallas has come come out of the gates with, like, their pants filled with their own crap. So, I don't even know anymore, right? <laughs> like, it's like, yeah. all right, it's 500 meter dash and Dallas is just like, ah, I just got poop running down yeah. my legs. I, I wasn't yeah. ready for my the favorite, race, Yeah, my favorite from the West would definitely not be them. The Blues are top five for sure, but I would go um, my top two, it's Nashville and Vegas. There's a lot to like from both of them. And then from the east, Tampa, probably Carolina, right up there. So Carolina's so those fun. Are, they are. But those are the teams that I would say uh, would be my picks right now. But honest to God, I'm just going to let Zook pick it. And I'm just going to copy it. She picked I the like Blues. It. She won. And she had the Canes going pretty damn far. Zooki's smart. Sm- Very smart. Than Franklin, I'll tell you that. Franklin has now started to meow at me when he sees like a spider on the ceiling and he demands to be lifted up. And uh, he knocks <laughs> it to the ground and he'll put it in his mouth, but he won't eat it. He just spits it out. And then he looks at it until it That is smart, away. though. I know, he just he has to finish the execution. Like, Zook goes after it, she'll see like... Uh, she sees flies, though. She doesn't see yeah. as many spiders, but she'll like be asleep and she'll hear the fly and she gets up and you'll see her pounce with her mouth open like going for it so randomly she's just flinging her body around the room like jumping off couches doing whatever to get a fly and then when she finally gets it um a lot of times she uses her paw be like i got you and she goes after it speaking of animals uh mitch mergles asks how much money is too much to spend on a halloween costume for a doggo or cat hmm I would say the limit does not exist because someone super smart said that to us <laughs> and she quoted one of our favorite movies. Um, I, up I honestly it really was. Uh, a couple years ago when I bought Zook the Chewbacca one, it was not very cheap, but I didn't care because it was cute and it was wearable and she was it for two years. And this year I'm working on something different. Um, and I would say like I'd like to keep it under $30. I That's bought her something. Was in my head. I was like, yeah, you know I'd- what? 30 like you wear it for halloween and maybe one day when you're just sad and you're not feeling good you're like guess what you're gonna be chewbacca for the day and yeah like she's worn it as a coat too like when her coat's been like soaking wet (laughs) it's really warm so i can just throw her in that and she'll wear it because if it's really windy out or really cold like i'll throw something on her and i've bought her pajamas before like onesies and she doesn't really wear them but i just bought them because they were cute and i think i spent maybe eight dollars on them so it's pretty cheap I just bought her a costume, and it was 12 It's a surprise what it is, but it's a little small, so I'm on the hunt for something bigger. But I think uh, $30 is where I tap out. That's a, that's a good, reasonable ceiling. I'd say 25 I'd say. I'm answering my own question, so what the hell am I doing? But, like, if I'm being honest, I spend so much money on Zuki already that I know if I saw something that was super expensive, I'd probably splurge on it because it's Zook, and I have, like, no... 
mind when mm. I'm buying her stuff. And then after I'm like, God damn it, I spent 50 bucks on Zuquin. Like, I need other things. I need food for myself. Here I am yeah, buying food. for all this crap. I was going to say, yeah, that's fun. And then you end up eating, you know, ramen. Uh, Ryan, I don't know who Ryan is. He wants to know, first time, long time. Since I wear the cap hope attire every day, do I need to dress like a normal civilian for Halloween or something truly scary like a Jack Hughes supporter or Islanders? <laughs> Thanks, I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> I think, honestly, Ryan, if you, in the right crowd, you walking around dressed up as a young pope is terrifying enough for small children that you can just kind of stick with what you got. And there'd be less questions for you. It'd be the one day a year you're not going to hear many questions. You yeah. know, you do that on a day-to-day basis. People are like... What is this guy doing? Dude, on Halloween, you're going to blend right in. But do you want to blend right in? So maybe, maybe you should go with a normal guy. Just like a, a normal civilian. Yeah. Or. Especially if he wears it every day. Or you get weird. You could get weird. You know. Or I, I, I don't you know buy a more expensive costume. Because I'm pretty sure his current Pope costume maybe cost like 20 bucks at Party City. Yeah, it did not cost much. Yeah, I, so. I, I spoke about the costume with him. Did not. Yeah. cost that much but so like maybe get like the full fledged like buy whatever the vatican gets their pope cost or buy a really cheap one and bedazzle the whole thing Bedazzles. or be a zombie pope Ooh, that's halloweeny i like that or hockey pope uh isn't he isn't he that already and but you know you can work some hockey accoutrement in there you know? yeah like the, whatever that you know pope wizard staff is like yeah. Gandalf staff there you go you've got a hockey stick there you go. I'm sure I lost a lot of Catholic listeners there. I apologize. Uh, from Adam Herman, do, do Shana and Joseph remember Detective Dan from all that? First of all, Adam, why did you forget Mike? That's first, foremost. I talked to him about him. Let's Secondly, him about Detective Dan last week. <laughs> all right, well, I like snapping at Adam. It's fun. Secondly, fun, yeah. I do remember Detective Dan from all that. I don't think I'm bringing that show back, too. Is that still happening? I don't know if that's still happening, but when Adam said that on last week's show, I actually had like a brain, like I was paralyzed for a moment. I was like, it was like a part of my brain that I I hadn't used in such a long time opened up and I was just flooded with these weird memories. I don't remember too many other characters, but I remember that. I remember Just like, you know, they had the Man Vine show and like the character that stands out to me. There was the one from the girls room and there was Moody's Point. Those are like the two. I wonder if uh, I wonder what the average age of our listeners is if they remember Detective Dan. Uh, Dave Shapiro wants to know: Is it GIF or JIF? Which do you say? I say JIF. I spell it like GIF, but I say JIF. I say GIF, and I say it. I spell it GIF and say it GIF, even though I know the inventor of it says JIF. I'm but never. I I honestly will never change how I spell or say it. That is not a word. Like, it's never going to happen. I'm going to spell it with the G. I'm going to say it like it has a J, and I don't give a shit. And with that, folks, that's the bottom of the mailbag. Uh, Shana just does not give a shit. <laughs> She's going to say what she wants. Uh, that was, thanks for joining us. Uh, as a, I don't know if you might be here next week. Who knows? We'll have to see. Um, We're really yeah, here to just fun. throw some curveballs at you. Yeah, well, it'll be great. Whoever's with me on next week's podcast will have more than one Rangers game to talk about, and uh, that'll be quite a thing. Wow. But uh, thank you, everyone, for listening, and thank you to all of our patron supporters, and for any of you who are just like, hey, you ever hear of bantering the blue shirts or blue shirt banner? Thank you to you people, too. I know Joe normally just attacks you people for your support. I choose to support you, and uh, I tell you that you deserve your rest and 
you should drink water and take care of yourself. Very kind, unlike uh, Joseph. You might have coughing fits like Shayna. (laughs) You know, has apparently, like, the plague. You've been sick for, like, ten days now. No, it is not. (laughs) It is not. It is less than a week. You've been, like... You've been sick so long that when you started being sick, you were still wearing, like, pilgrim clothes because the country was just being established. There we go. Yeah, that's it. Precisely. I'll be fine. I'll I'm get over it eventually. Of, it's just the lingering crap. Did pilgrim clothes come with a white apron? Was that just the standard thing? Did every pilgrim have a white apron? I don't know. Whoever was making those white aprons in pilgrim times was making a killing, I'll tell you that. Uh, And with that horrible bit of inaccurate (laughs) history, I think that'll do it for this week's uh, Off the Post. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, remember, there's really no limit to what you want to spend on your your pet's Halloween costume. And make sure you send those pictures. Uh, You can eat eat later. Yeah, I want to see rangers we want to see your your pets we want to see your pets on a normal basis we want to see your pets in costumes we just want to see your pets we don't care about you we care about your pets yeah let's i wanted some i I don't know about that the first part of that statement uh i I want a before (laughs) and after i want before halloween costume and after and i i care about you even though apparently shana doesn't i care about your dogs shocking revelation and she's anti-cat and with that (laughs) 